Good morning. Supposed to say Christmas is coming, but Christmas is coming. Um, I know that probably most of you have been celebrating since you know Black Friday, um, or s- since January first, or since December twenty sixth last year. I don't know, but we've been celebrating and looking forward to Christmas when the Savior is born into the world, and we've looked at characters of Christmas, and I hope they're getting you. They got you into the spirit. Um, of why we celebrate, why we put up decorations, why we put up a nativity scene, um, especially the manger, um, and why we put up shepherds, angels, magi. Um, I don't know if anybody puts up King Herod, but maybe you do. I don't know. Um, But I hope they got you in the spirit. And I know, I just want to, Cody mentioned it earlier, but the online viewers, they are there. Um, Um. Last week, I was like, I need to text message them. So I did Mary in Panama. She responded back, and it was encouraging to hear her voice. She responded with a voice message. So thank you, Mary, for that voice, to to put the voice to the name. Um, I know Connie's been listening. um, And then D. Essex as well, Luke's mom, has been listening. So they comment, and I was just like, I need to comment them. I need to message them. So thank you all for commenting online. It's encouraging to me to know that people that can't be here are still worshiping with us. And let us not forget those people that are there, that are worshiping with us even right now, and we can't see their face, but they are there. So thank you for being here. Christmas is coming, like I said. Let's pray before we get into the Word today. God, thank you so much for this morning where we can hear songs sung and praise to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into this world as a baby, laid in a manger. Thank you so much that you took on flesh like us to live a life that led to the cross. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's why we celebrate. And it's in his wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen. The characters of Christmas, they get us into the spirit. We, we looked at a lot of them so far that maybe some people look over. But I hope that this Christmas season has been filled with joy, with wonder, and with awe. Because this season brings a lot of wonder. We say, why was it a baby? We may say, why was it a manger? Why were the shepherds there? Why were angels proclaiming the message? Just why was this happening? It's wonderful to listen or to hear about and to read about. So I hope these characters have been encouraging to you. Um, I know that sometimes we look over and we, we can learn lessons from them, and we have learned a lot, haven't we not? But I want to start again. You, I don't know if you've had it memorized yet, but... If somebody wrote it down very quickly, but William Placker, he says this about Christmas. We've, this is the fourth time now, but it's so good because this is why we celebrate. Even the stories of his birth make clear that Jesus is going to change the rules. He's a king born in a stable. He's, a God, made, he's God made flesh, but his birth occasions scandal and violence. 
Authorities appear in the story, ordering people around and massacring children. It is an embarrassed woman, some strange foreigners, and some disreputable shepherds who seem to be those with whom and through whom God is working in the birth of this human being who is also God. Jesus' birth set the pattern for his ministry. I hope that's encouraging to you because Christmas is about characters. It is about Jesus. It's centered on Jesus. But these characters around Christ's birth is wonderful to read and wonderful to learn from because they give us glimpses of why we worship Jesus as Savior. Last week, or three weeks ago, we looked at Mary and Joseph. Today, you're going to get a little Joseph again, later on. Shepherds and angels, we talked about them. Simeon and Anna, those were wonderful elderly people waiting for this Messiah to be born. Remember, Simeon held Jesus in his arms and said, God, you can take me now in peace. And now, today, we're going to look at King Herod and the Magi. And what we can learn from this narrative today. Some of the lessons we've been learning, you might remember we've been learning a lot about these, from these characters. We've learned humility, following the Holy Spirit's leading. We learned that the good news of Jesus must be shared and that this news will cause great joy to all people. We learned that there's a realization that we need a Savior from sin. We also find rest in the grace of God. Not just rest, but peaceful rest. We learn that God is in control. Remember last week, He's sovereign. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. And then last week, we also looked at, we need to look forward to the return of Jesus with hope, fasting, and prayer, just like Anna was looking for the Messiah to come. And most importantly, this is the most important thing. That salvation is in Jesus. That's the most important thing we've learned from all these characters and narrative that we've been studying. Today, King Herod and the Magi. Whew. Tough topic, King Herod. But we're going to learn some things from this story today. So if you want to turn with your, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, while I kind of bring us up to here. So, I know I mentioned at the very beginning of the series that the Magi were my favorite characters in the narrative of Christ's birth and infancy. You have works of art of the Magi. You have songs about these Magi. We sang one today. You have plays about the Magi. We saw one a few years ago at a church, and it was wonderfully done. And then there's that star that they followed. A lot of wonder there about that star. These things excite me. The Magi excite me. And here's why. I, when I was growing up, we always had a Christmas Eve candlelight service every Christmas Eve. Almost every Christmas Eve, I think, at our church. And after the service, we would go to my grandparents' house with the cousins, aunts, and uncles, and my family, and then we would open presents from the grandparents and uncles and aunts. But my favorite thing about my grandparents' house was the nativity scene. And here's why. The Christmas tree's up. 
the nativity scene, the manger scene is underneath the Christmas tree. You got Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus in a manger, an angel up top, shepherds worshiping. And then the Magi were on a shelf far away. I love it. Because the Magi had to travel to get to the baby Jesus. And he wasn't a baby anymore. He was an infant. He grew a little bit. Just under two years old, maybe. But that was my favorite thing as a child. They were on a shelf, far away, traveling to see Jesus. That was my favorite thing. Because some people get, them, get it wrong. They have the, the wise men at the manger scene, not there. They were traveling to get there. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2. So that's why the Magi excite me, okay? Matthew chapter 2, here we go, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, we're introduced to King Herod here. We also see, if you go to Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it also says, in the time of King Herod of Judea. So King Herod, he's the reigning king of Judea at this time. Jesus is born and now we see this king. So we're introduced to the king here. We'll, we'll learn more about him later. Keep reading here. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now we get the magi. So it's in the time of King Herod. And these magi have traveled, they came to Jerusalem, and they ask a question. Now, some of your translations, some people think of the magi, there's also wise men, we sang about the wise men. They're also known as astrologers, they studied stars. That's, you can see why they are following a star here, they saw a star. They're, some of them are kings, they say they were kings. Whatever we call them, they're traveling from the east to Jerusalem to see and ask about this king who has been born. One source said they've traveled about 1,200 miles. That's a long way to travel, to just ask the question, where's this king of the Jews that has been born? 1,200 miles. Can you, has anybody traveled 1,200 miles to see one thing and then come right back? Has anybody? Like, I mean... See it for maybe like a day and then come right back, 1,200 miles. Has anybody done that? I have not, so can't wonder why it is. We have cars, so it's going to be a lot faster, but they didn't have cars back then. So just think, Jesus is born, the Magi have to travel 1,200 miles on foot. That's going to take a long time. So just think of that as we're studying the Magi. Now they came to Jerusalem. Why did they come to Jerusalem first? Because that's probably the expected place to find a king. It's the capital city. That's where they're going to go first, to Jerusalem. They saw this king of the Jews star. Did you catch that? That's one of, I, as a kid, I overlooked that. Probably till I'm 36 in my office this week, I've overlooked this. Did you catch it? Read it again. Verse 2. 
Where is this one? Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. I've never noticed that till this week at my desk while I read this. His star. The king of the Jews who has been born. That's the star we saw. That's the star we're following. Where is this baby born? It blew my mind. I could stop there and we can like, his star, we can talk about that. But um, preacher Charles Spurgeon said, there is infinite power even in an infant savior. This baby boy who was born king of the Jews, this savior, there's infinite power even in this infant And I also was wondering, you know the shepherds, remember them? How many people did they tell the good news? How many? Everyone they saw, right? And you know, does news travel fast? Does news travel fast? I bet. I, I just wonder, do you, the people they were asking, because it doesn't say they were asking King Herod here. Okay, it doesn't say they went to King Herod and asked King Herod where this king of the Jews was. It just says they were asking, where's this king of the Jews? I just wonder if people were like, oh, we heard that from some shepherds. Or by word of mouth, some shepherds saw this baby boy. And I wonder if they heard that. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. Oh, King Herod. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, King Herod hears this, these questions. Where's the king of the Jews been born? And he's disturbed. He's probably like, man, there's another king that's born? I'm the king. I'm furious. I'm disturbed. I want to know where this king is. Okay? Now, if you're a king, a powerful king, and somebody's threatening to take your kingship, you're probably going to do everything you can to be like, no, I'm, I'm the king. That was King Herod's thought. I'm the king. Nobody's going to take over my kingship under my watch. He was disturbed. Michael Green in his commentary said, Jesus is coming always divides people, as we shall see time and again in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is coming always divides people. King Herod's like, there's another king born? Oh, I'm such... This is not going to happen. I'm the king. That's what he's thinking. 
He's disturbed. And it says all Jerusalem with him there. They might be disturbed, but they're probably disturbed in a way that doesn't tell us specifically in the text, but people speculate that they were afraid that King Herod's going to do some, some more killing. Because in his life, he would kill even his own family members so they wouldn't take over the kingship. That's how dangerous or wicked this king was. But then you keep reading here. He gathers, who does he gather around him? He says, come here. Who does he gather? The chief priests and the teachers of the law. He's like, come here. Where's this king going to be born? Where's the Messiah going to be born? Tell me. And do they tell him where the Messiah is going to be born? Yes or no? Yes, they do. So he gets this information, correct information, right? The law, the teachers of the law and the chief priests are like, it's in Bethlehem. That's where the king of the Jews is going to be born. They responded by quoting the prophet Micah. But what happens? Upon hearing this, Herod meets with the Magi secretly and says, what? Tell me the exact time you saw this star. Just let me know. And they tell him, and he says, okay, go to the place, and then come back to me, and then so I can go worship him as well. African-American commentator Michael Joseph Brown writes, Matthew highlights that outsiders recognize the importance of Jesus' birth, but the Jews, Herod in particular, did not. These magi, how far did they travel? 1,200 miles to come see this infant baby boy, this king of the Jews who has been born. 1,200 miles. And Herod gathers these chief priests and teachers of the law, gets the information, Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And what does Herod do? He receives the answer. And he does nothing. He does not take the initiative to go there himself to look to see if it's true. He doesn't even send somebody with the Magi. Now, if I was King Herod, I'd probably send one of my you know, workers or people working under me saying, go with the Magi so they will come back. That's kind of interesting. Now, it's also a sad thing. Not just King Herod doesn't take the initiative to go, but it's also a sad thing that these chief priests and teachers of the law don't even go themselves. They say, King Herod, it's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's what the prophet Micah says. But they didn't even go. Enduring Word commentator David Guzik said, it is a sad thing when a preacher is like a signpost pointing the way, but never following it on his own account. I thought of myself and the role I have as a preacher, a minister of the gospel. I was reminded of the book of James, and James writes this, We who teach will be judged more strictly. And then what Peter wrote about being an example to the flock that is under your care. These teachers of the law said, in Bethlehem and Judea, that's where the Messiah is going to be born, Herod. But they don't even go themselves. 
It hit me. As a preacher of the gospel and a, a preacher of good news and encouraging the flock that's under my care, am I just a signpost pointing the way? Or am I a signpost pointing the way but also doing it? King Herod says, Magi, go and come back. The teachers of the law, oh, we'll stay too. We're going to hear from the Magi. Sad. And then I thought, Herod's just following the example of the teachers of the law. That's why it hit me. When the flock under my care looks at the preacher and says, Keith ain't even doing that, why am I going to do it? Being an example. So Herod was just following the example of the preachers in that day. Let's keep reading here. Verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star, remember whose star? His star, the king of the Jews' star. His star, the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You may notice, you may notice, the Magi don't promise Herod they're going to come back. We'll learn, we'll learn a little later about that, but they don't promise Herod. They don't say, yeah, we'll be back, Herod. Don't worry. Nothing. After they heard the king, they went on their way. The star kept leading them to the place, kept leading them till it what? Stopped over the place where the child was. We sang it today. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. They followed the star till it stopped. And then they're like, that's the place. We got to go in. They were overjoyed because the star has led them to this king of the Jews. And remember, his star. Now, I'm not going to go on, but many commentators were like, it could have been a phenomenon like Jupiter and Saturn coming together like we have now every once in a while. And I'm like, I don't think it was anything like that. I think it was just this supernatural star that led them, and it stopped. And I, and I think I told somebody earlier, but I was just like, has, do the Magi only see the star? Can anybody else see this star? Did Herod say, Magi, can we go outside and you're going to tell me which star it is? No, I just think it's this supernatural event that this star is leading them, and it stops, and they know the place, and nobody else could see it. That's what I think. It's just wonderful to think 
But the Magi, 1,200 miles, being led by His star. And you may notice, it's not a manger scene anymore. They're in a house. So they come to the house, and they see the child with his mother, Mary. Even the wording, I don't know, in the NIV the wording is, they go into the house, and they saw the child with his mother. Even the wording says the importance. The child was the center of the search. The child. They go into the house and they saw the child. They didn't say they saw Mary with his mother or with the baby. They said they saw the child with his mother, Mary. Even at the very beginning of Jesus' life, we see it at the birth and then the infancy here, that Jesus is the center of Christmas. Jesus is the center of this event. The Magi. Focusing on the child. Now, many believe there were only three because of the three gifts, but I think there were many. There were many in this magistrate company coming to worship this child. And what do they present Jesus, the child? They present gold. Gold is fit for a king. Jesus is king. Even at an infant child. Frankincense, it was used constantly in the temple by the priests. Jesus is priest. He intercedes for us. The the myrrh was used for embalming dead bodies. Jesus would die. So you have these gifts you know, there's a lot of speculation and commentators go back and forth. Was like, it could assume these three, but I think it fits very well with the story of the redemption story of Jesus. He's king. He's a priest. He intercedes for us. And what is he going to do? He's going to die on a cross for our sins. The Magi present these gifts to this infant saying, we're worshiping you. Here's our gifts. We've traveled this far. Michael Green again says this, we see who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do, and what it cost Jesus. Let's keep reading here. Verse 13, so... I always like that as well. The Magi go back a different way. They're like, we ain't going back to Herod. We got a dream. We're not going back that. We're going to go a different way to get home, even if it takes a little longer. Verse 13, like I said, remember, there's going to be a little Joseph again. Here we go. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. So 
again, God intervenes and says, Joseph, this angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream and says, you got to get out of here. Remember three weeks ago with Joseph, who appeared to him in a dream? The angel of the Lord, right? Says, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Don't worry. And what did Joseph do? Took Mary as his wife. Didn't divorce her quietly. Remember? Same thing here. God intervenes and says, Joseph, you need to get out of here and go to Egypt where it is safe. So Jesus doesn't get killed by this King Herod. King Herod wants to kill this Savior, this King of the Jews. And what does Joseph do? He obeys quickly. He gets out of town. And you may wonder, why Egypt? You study, this is why, reading commentaries, books, even parts of the Bible, this is why I think Egypt was the best place. Jacob's family found safety in Egypt during the famine. Remember, Joseph got sold, and he was working in Egypt, and his family, his brothers came back, and he's like, this, I'm Joseph, I didn't get dead. Bring, your fam- bring the family here. That was poor wording, but... <laughs> I'm glad we can laugh in church because we need laughter. Throwing me, whoever was over here, I think it was Brenda, <laughs> throwing me off a little bit, but it's, laughter's good. Isn't it a proverb like laughter is the best medicine? I'm not crying this time, though, so we're laughing. We're laughing at, at least it's not King Herod we're talking about. We're, we're not laughing about King Herod. So Egypt. So Joseph's family finds peace and rest and safety in Egypt during the famine. And you also have Moses. Remember Moses? He was under two years old, and that Pharaoh and king wanted to kill the baby boys, remember? And Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in a basket on the river. He grows up in Egypt. There's safety in Egypt. Jesus, this child, and Joseph says, the angel of the Lord tells Joseph, go to Egypt. Do you see the connection? There's safety in Egypt. And then I was thinking of uh, Rich Mullins fans out there. Any Rich Mullins fans? Yes. Rich Mullins. Song came to my mind, My Deliverer. Who knows that one? Who wants to come up to sing a special? No. It came to my mind. Look what the first verse says. Joseph took his wife and her child, his wife, not her, his wife and her child, and they went to Africa to escape the rage of a deadly king. There along the banks of the Nile, Jesus listened to the song that the captive children used to sing. They were singing, my deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. What uh I like the wording there. Jesus was listening as an infant boy. But he's also probably thinking, and I'm the deliverer. I'm here. You know, Moses delivered the people out of Egypt. Jesus, Joseph takes Jesus and his 
wife marry to Egypt to be safe. And the deliverer is here. I love that my deliverer is coming, the, the song says, but I think it should say my deliverer is here. I'm the deliverer, Jesus is saying. So, safety in Egypt. Keep reading here. Now we get King Herod again. Oh no, what's going to happen with Herod? When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, remember the Magi didn't come back, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So Herod says, the Magi didn't come back. Ugh. Why didn't they come back to tell me where this baby, king of the Jews, was born? I should have heard from them by now. He's furious and he orders the killing of baby boys under two years old in Bethlehem and the surrounding towns. Like I said earlier, this was Herod's nature. It's his character. He was a murderer. There's no way to say it any clearer. He was a murderer. He even had his own family members killed because he didn't want them to take over the throne. He's like, I'm, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be the king. And he was going to try and make his, king last, or his kingship last forever, or last as long as he could. That was his mentality as a king. He was very, 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 I can keep going, wicked. So he orders the killing of baby boys. But I like, this gives me comfort, even in times of hard times and, and deaths. We can weep and mourn for events that happen. We can say, why did this happen? We can weep. When you hear of deaths, you weep, right? Natural disasters occur, people die, you're like, why does this happen? We've, we've seen it in history, why, why are the, these murders? And we weep and mourn. Because at the end, they're, they're no more, they're not here anymore. But going back, who didn't get killed? Jesus, the Deliverer, the Savior of the world, was safe in Egypt. King Herod's probably like, I got it. All the kids, all the baby boys are dead. I, I'm, I'm good. but there's safety in Egypt. Jesus is there. Now, what can we learn from King Herod and the Magi narrative? Number one, first, follow the path that leads to life. 
Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. Did you catch that? The way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The path that leads to life is hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. Are we following the path that leads to life? Wise Men, a song by the cross movement, ends like this. We went home a different way. Not just geographically, but he impacted me. Never forget the day. We got to sit back and see God's presence, a present gift wrapped. And I hope you get that because when you got Jesus, you don't have to wonder where the gift is at. These magi, I love the ending of their song there. These magi are changed because they saw the Savior, the King of the Jews, born. And they presented Him with gifts. But they didn't just present the gifts. What did they receive? The presence of the Savior. The gift of that. So follow the path that leads to life, which is Jesus, right? Secondly, present your gifts to Jesus. Our gifts of money, talents, time, words of encouragement, and there probably are many more I can name, should be presented to Jesus and used to further His kingdom. If you can't give money, you can give time. You can give your talents. You can give words of encouragement. Present them to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm presenting these gifts to you to further your kingdom. I can't do it on my own, but maybe I can give money to a mission field. Maybe I can give money to this organization that we support as a church. We can give our presence to Jesus because His kingdom needs to be spread. Thirdly, Jesus must be the foundation on which we build our faith and practice. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise man, oh, magi, huh? Wise man, who built his house on the rock. If you follow my words, that's where you're building your foundation. You won't be knocked down. And then the writer of Hebrews, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. So build your life, build your faith and practice on Jesus. And let me tell you, if you place and you build on Jesus, you're going to be following that path that leads to life. And you're going to probably be presenting your gifts to Jesus. And lastly, Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, the Deliverer from sin is here. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. 
the Magi ask. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Where is He? And then you get to Jesus at the end of His life on the cross. Above His head, they placed the written charge against Him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. That's the only two places in the Gospels where the King of the Jews is written down for us at his infancy, and at his death. He was born king of the Jews, and he died king of the Jews. I'll end with this. Give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. That's why we celebrate Christmas. These characters help us to know Jesus will save His people from their sin. We recognize we need a Savior. We repent of our sins. We confess Jesus is the only Savior that can save us. Baptism, we get baptized because that's a picture that tells us we're following Jesus, we're dead to sin, and we come out of that water alive to this new life. And then we live a life, follow the path that leads to life, right? That's the only way we can do it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Sweetest name I know, right? Pray with me. Oh God, thank you. Even today, it was hard to read about King Herod and what happened but we have these magi that has, have traveled so far. Thank you for this narrative and this story we can read and learn from. Help us today to follow that path that leads to life, which is Jesus. Help us to build our foundation, our faith and practice on Him and Him alone. Our Deliverer is here. Jesus Christ They named him that because he will save his people from their sin. That's why we celebrate this season. That's why we celebrate all year round. That's why we celebrate all lifetime because Jesus is the Savior. He came as a baby and it led him to the cross. He was born King of the Jews and he died King of the Jews. Thank you, God, for bringing and sending your Son to take on flesh for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.